favor, if you have your phone with you, put it on silent, slip it in your pocket. I assure you, you will not need it. And if you got the happenings uh, in, within your hand, because I'm not going to call it a bulletin anymore. I always thought bulletins were just super lame. So we're not going to call it a bulletin anymore. We're going to call it the happenings, because that's what it is, because this is what's happening in junior high. If you're not in a life group, like Serena said, you got to check out life groups. We have a bunch of more leaders, which means we're going to be adding some new groups. So if you're thinking, oh, the groups, they're so big, and there's not really a place for me, there's a place for you. There is absolutely a place for you to find belonging in junior high in a life group with a leader that wants to know you. And that's a really big deal. We don't all have that. That's a great gift. So be in a life group. They are amazing. I'm so happy you're all here. There's a little life group story on there. And the leader of the week is a girl named Paige uh, who makes all of our set design stuff. She is incredible. And some of the eighth grade girls, the flying angelic burritos, they know exactly who she is. Uh, and uh, you should know her too. So check that stuff out. Uh, Christmas is... One of my favorite times of year, it is a smiley, happy, joyful time because there are things that you can do and get away with during Christmas that you just can't do and get away with other times of the year. Let me give you an example. Uh, if you were hungry, other times of the year you have to go out and get some food or you know have something made, peanut butter and jelly sandwich, crackers with Nutella, something super lame. But during Christmas time, you can get away with making something like this, a manger scene that is made up of bacon and sausage and hot dog. You can get away with making that because it's Christmas. You know, during Christmas, you know, we talk about Jesus, and I always like talking about Jesus in the manger. You know, little baby Jesus, he's fresh white skin, smells like a baby, okay? You know, I'm going to have a, you know, I'm not going to have a baby. Brittany's going to have a baby, but I'm going to be there. And, you know, so, and maybe Santa will come visit my baby too. Because during Christmas time is a time where Santa, he's included in almost everything that happens. And that's only during Christmas. Also, during Christmas... Usually you guys do family photos, and this is beautiful. If you've done a family photo, you've got to mail it to junior high because we want it. Because during the Christmas season is a time for joy and happiness and love. And just like this family right here, look at how happy. And when I see that photo, I think I, think I want to share the love of Jesus with you. When I see that photo, I think, Noel, the angels singing, joy to the world. That... I, if I got that, I would put that in my fridge for the whole year. That is a beautiful photo. Well, the truth is that sometimes finding joy is not an easy thing. Actually, uh, you know, during a season where it, everyone's like, oh, this is Christmas joy, and here's glitter in your face, and let's decorate everything, and everything needs to light up, and sometimes it's hard for us to find a place of joy. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not always the most joyful person. I know it might come as a shock to some of you. I'm not always the most joyful person. I'm actually, I'm going to even shock you some more because I'm going to be honest. Sometimes it's actually easier for me to come up with a list of things that, that I, I am unhappy with, a list of things that are difficult, a list of things that are making my life miserable. It's sometimes easier for me to come up with a list of things that are negative in my life than come up with a list of things that bring joy in my life. You know, I think that's a lot of us sometimes. You know, a lot of us make, you know, this uh, list of, well, these are all the things that should bring me joy. And chances are we've experienced them at some point. I mean, everyone know what joy feels like. I mean, we've all had a moment of joy. Like we open up that gift or we get that surprise or we get that acceptance letter or we find out that we're out, we made the team, like a friend just totally has our back. And for us, it's that moment of absolute joy. But that moment is easily forgotten. Like, it's quick to forget 
those moments of joy, when there's so many other moments that try and rob the joy from us. And we know what that feeling is too. That feeling of loneliness, that feeling, it feels like a pit. It feels like there's no hope. It feels like, you know, what am I going to do to get out of this? We know what it feels like to have joy. And we know when that joy is just not there. So, you know, as we talk about joy, which is a topic for today, because I think Christmas is joy, I want to make sure we're all clear on defining what joy really is. Because just as quick as we feel a sense of joy, just as fast we forget all about it. Now, why is that? Well, Paul has some thoughts on why that is. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to Philippians chapter 2. This is incredible stuff. It's right out of the Bible. We're going to learn something incredible today. And I'm going to read through this, and I just want to give you a little, this is in the New Testament, by the way. I just want to give you a little context, a little idea. Paul was talking to a church in a country or in an area, a city called Philippi. Very young church, just like all of us in this room. They're young, they're trying to figure out how faith works, how to follow Jesus, how to apply the things they're learning. And a lot of people back then, they were complaining. Now, I don't know if you're complainers, but back then they were complaining a ton. And he gave a little bit of advice to them in Philippians chapter 2. This is what he said. Uh, Use your table of contents if you need. I use mine all the time. Don't feel bad about that. This is what he said. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like the stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. So this is what he's saying. The world is difficult. If you don't think the world is a difficult place, then you may not have been living in the world that everyone else has been living in. Because it is a difficult place. Not every corner you turn is someone willing to be your best friend and accept you and include you and and tell you all these great affirmations about how God made you and loved you and designed you the way you are and meant to be. The world is actually filled with people sometimes who exclude you, who it's quicker to point out your flaws than point out the things that make you so unique. Sometimes there's people in the world who look for all the reasons why you don't belong instead of reasons that you do belong. You know, they look for opportunities to exclude instead of opportunities to include. The world, in general, is not the nicest place. And Paul is saying this to this very young church, just like the group of us here. He's saying, listen, the church, you, know, you should be people that, that are lights, like stars in the sky. You should be the ones that, that change all that. That you should be the ones who, when it comes to, well, who's going to be the one to accept others? Well, yeah, it should, be, it should be you guys, the church. You should be that star of light that shines bright. When it comes to who should accept the person who is left out, well, that should be you guys. You guys should be the ones, like if you guys know who Jesus is, you should be the ones who are like, yeah, we're going to make sure people are included. If you're sitting there and you're like, well, what, what, what's the purpose of that? Well, Paul says the purpose is that you don't feel like you've wasted your life. You know, how much of a waste would be, and listen, I'm just being honest with you. If you come to church every single week, and you come to camps, and you go to life groups, and you own a Bible, and say you read the Bible, but you feel like you've never really made that impact. 
that you feel like you've just kind of been spinning your wheels and you've been playing it safe. And, and you know, when it comes to bringing joy into the lives of people or helping people experience joy or holding on to your own joy, that you've just kind of been going through the most, you would feel like you've wasted your time. You would look at your junior high years and say, why did I go to JHM all those years? Why was I doing a life group? I could have been doing other stuff. Why did I do all these things and waste all my time? Well, if you do not see yourselves the way God sees you, the person that is the shining light, the one that brings hope where there is none, the one that brings joy where there is none, that that is what Paul says is the role of us as believers, as Christians, as those who follow Jesus. So that's what we're meant to do, but it's not always easy to do that. Why? Because our joy gets robbed from us. See, it's really difficult sometimes to get a sense of joy when things are so difficult, but when you're really happy and things are going great, it seems like it's really easy to pull you down. Like, it seems really easy, like, it's hard to find joy, but once you find it, it feels like it's hard to to keep it. It's easy to lose it. It's elusive. You know, why is that? Well, I think that it's because joy is an easy thing to have robbed from you. You know, I was going to share a verse. Uh, here it is. You can write it down because I want you guys to read it later, and I'm not going to read through every detail of it, but I'm going to talk about it briefly. First uh, Peter 5, 8. I want you guys to read it later. It talks about this guy, the devil, and his only purpose in life is to hunt you down and rob your joy from you. Rob your joy, rob who you, God has made you to be. He, he's proud, and listen, this sound, might sound really dangerous. It might sound kind of frightening. You might be like, oh my gosh, I'm coming to church. Like, this is going to be fun. Like, we were drawing on plates before. Now he's telling me that Satan's going to come hunt me down. Don't be freaked out. Why? Because Jesus has your back. Because Jesus says, I am going to stand side by side with you, and you're not going to be doing this alone. Now, here's the deal, though. When it comes to how joy gets robbed, this is the guy that's prowling to steal your joy. Think of the moment where you thought things were going great. You were full of joy, happiness was everywhere, but then things started picking away at your joy. You know, I have three kind of real simple things, and we're going to talk about it briefly, because here's the thing. If you don't know how your joy is robbed, you're not going to know how to keep a hold of it when you have it. So here's three really simple things how Satan tries to rob you of your joy. Here's number one. Uh, stress is the number one way Satan tries to rob you of your joy. Thinking that you have to have it all figured out, that you have to control, and my wife's just like this, I love my wife, she is like the, like, put it all together, type A, like, I have it figured out, I can, you know, put it in place, and I can just, I can make this work, like, that's her. Now, here's the thing, that's not always possible. Like, actually, it's very rarely possible to be able to control everything. It's very rarely possible to make everything go the way you want it to go, and because it doesn't go the way you want it to go, it's stressing you out. And you're thinking, man, if only it went the way, and only if everyone just stop and listen to me, I can kind of put it all together. You know, sometimes we think, well, God can't do that. You know, God can't do that, but you know what? I can do that. Like, I know God created the universe and the trees, and God made all this stuff. I know God created all these things, but he can't do this. This is just too big for God. But I can do this. So I'm going to do it, and, and so I'm going to make it happen. And because we leave God out of it, we stress ourselves out. Because we can't handle it. And we think we can, but we can't. And it stresses out. And that is one of the ways our joy gets robbed. Here's the second way our joy gets robbed. This is a really good one. Bad relationships rob our joy. 
the, the bad relationships of, well, the people I'm hanging around, like, yeah, they're not encouraging me to be like Jesus, but, you know, they're, like, the only friends I got, so I just kind of got to go with it. Or, you know, the f- relationship that, you know, maybe you say, oh, man, this is, I know that I'm not going to do these things, and these things are on the list of things I will never do, and this is where I draw the line. But, but they, pr- they said they're going to be my friends and accept me. And like, I've been looking for a place to belong and looking for friends to have. And all they said is, I just, I just have to, you know, kind of cross like my like boundaries a little bit. Like, I just gotta, like, I just gotta be willing to do like, and I just gotta be willing to bully that one kid or, you know, make sure that, you know, I gotta, you know, disinclude that one guy or, or, you know, I just gotta, you know, send this one thing to this person and, and, you know, then, then they'll accept me. And, and maybe it's crossing lines that I've put in my life. Maybe I have to negotiate the person that I feel God's called me to be. But, but I'll have friends at the end. Now, the, the reality is they're not your real friends. They just want you to be their friends, I mean, in the moment. They're not really your real friends anyway. They just want you to do these things that they wouldn't do themselves or that they would do themselves because they don't really care who God is. Bad relationships distract us and steal our joy because here's the thing. Once you cross those boundaries that you say, I'm never going to cross these, you don't feel great after you do it. You don't cross that boundary and say, oh, I'm so happy I did that. What was I missing? You feel bummed because you've betrayed yourself and what you said you were going to do. You, you feel let down because you realize that these people, like they say they're going to be, but they actually don't really care that much. They actually think it's funny that you did. And they don't care about you as much as they say they do. Bad relationships rob our joy from us all the time. Here's the last one. Bad choices rob our joy. There's never been a situation, and, and, and I've had situations like this all the time, that ends with, well, it seemed like it was a good idea at the time. Like, I've had tons of these. Like, you are like, I, when I was a kid, I was like, man, I'm, we're going to make fireworks. So we went online, we figured out how to make them, and we get all these supplies, and then we kind of blow up my friend's garage. And in the t- at the end, we're like, well, you know, at the time, it seemed like a great idea. But it actually wasn't a good idea. It was a bad idea. And with bad choices come punishment. With punishment comes robbing of your joy. Bad choices, and whatever your bad choice may be, has a potential to rob you of your joy. Now, here's the thing. If you have joy, and you're like, I want to hold on to it. I don't want to lose it. Then this is perfect. Because this helps you see the ways that you can lose your joy. And it can be robbed from you. But more importantly, and this is what I really care about, I care about you knowing where real joy comes from. So many times we have no idea where real joy comes from, so we're kind of just kind of puttering through life, kind of hoping it all works out, and, and we kind of take case by case. We never know where joy really comes from, and that's what I want to talk about. I want you to open your Bibles to the book of, where is it, John chapter 15, because there's some good stuff in here. Jesus is talking, and he's sharing a story, helping his disciples and kind of the people around him understand a very important lesson, and that lesson is this, that from Jesus, everything comes. Everything flows from Jesus. From Jesus, every, you can get every, everything you're looking for. He has. He wants to give it to you. It's free. And he's trying to explain to his disciples this idea. And this is how he uses it as an illustration. And th- we're talking about verses 11 through 14 or 15 here. But I'm going to touch on verses uh, 1 and 4 and some of these. So you should just really read all of John chapter 15. This is what it says. Uh, it's in the New Testament, by the way. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Perfect. See, you guys are really smart. This is what it says, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will, it will be even more fruitful. Number Verse 4. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch 
can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Okay, here's what I want to talk about. Uh, I uh, hate the show The Bachelor, by the way. Um, hate the show The Bachelor. I think it's the worst show in the universe. I think it's a really ridiculous show. My wife, though, really likes The Bachelor. So because I love my wife, I'm forced to watch this show. It's absolute torture. Uh, and I'm just, listen, I'm just being honest. I just don't like the show. But I'm forced to watch this show. And if you've never seen this show before, uh, don't, it, it's a dumb show. Don't waste your time. But I will say this. It's a lame show. Listen, the guy on the show this time is a farmer. And who doesn't want to marry a farmer? Yeah. It's like marrying Moses. He was a farmer. Who doesn't want to marry Moses from the Bible? So uh, Moses from the Bible is essentially on the next season of The Bachelor. And uh, he, farmers get this, okay? This is a farmer's idea. If I wanted to grow an apple tree, a farmer would know how to do it. So let me give you an example. Uh, let me give you an example. Um, this is how it works, okay? A farmer has what to plant trees? Seeds. See, so you guys are geniuses, okay? Farmer has seeds. And you take the seeds, you plant them in the ground, and you water it, and you hope what grows? An apple tree. And you let the tree grow. No, you let the tree grow, and you water it and the whole thing. Now, here's the thing. If it was time to harvest apples, like we're kind of getting time for the apples to really start growing, I took a machete, went out to the apple field, took an apple tree, cut off one of the branches, held the branch in the air and said, I cannot wait for this branch to start growing apples. That wouldn't make any sense. Who thinks that would make sense? That wouldn't make any sense. Because the branch isn't connected to the tree. It has to be connected to the tree in order to grow apples. Here's the thing. You guys are connected to Jesus. He looks at you and says, you, you guys are my branches. You are connected to me. Now, if you are disconnected from me, you're not doing and bearing the fruit you're supposed to. If you're wondering, well, I'm a person. What fruit do I bear? You've got to look at the Bible. The fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. See how fast I can rattle that off? I'm totally smart. So, you might think, well, you know what? I want to bear fruit the way Jesus wants me to bear fruit. I want to love and have joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness. I want to have all those things. Well, if you're not connected to Jesus, it's impossible to bear that fruit. And this is more what he says. He says, I will absolutely help you and be with you as we do it. Not only will I be with you, I actually want you to have the same kind of joy I have. This is what he says in verse 11. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. May, uh, my command is this, love each other as I love you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down his life for his friends. Now I want to explain that. I want you to think of a big bucket with your name on it, with the word joy on it, and God gives it to you. So now you're walking around, everyone that's walking around this big, literal, big joy bucket. Now, things in life happen that pokes holes in, the, in that bucket. Life happens and, you know, pain and uh, tough friendship and bad choices and stress, poking holes in that bucket. And all the joy that you have starts pouring out. Now, here's the thing. If you don't have Jesus, the bringer of joy, the one who has the, all the joy, the one that says, if you're connected to me because I am the vine, you are the branch, be connected to me, I'm going to keep filling you up with joy. If you're not, you know, connected to Jesus, your joy bucket is going to like empty out. So imagine I have a bucket up here. Oh, we're going to fill it up with joy. I start stabbing holes in it. It's all going to pour out on the floor. And if there's nothing connected to it to pour more in, it's going to empty out. And then you're going to walk around with an empty bucket with no joy. Think of it this way. You were walking around with a big bucket of joy and life's happening. And holes are being stabbed in it. That's tough. 
But Jesus is there. And Jesus says this, my joy, I want to be in you and that your joy may be complete. I want your joy complete. I want it filled up. I don't want just a little bit of joy. I want a whole lot of joy. Like, I don't want just a little bit of joy for now. I want a whole lot of joy all the time. Like, I don't want you walking around thinking, oh, man, you know, this is so tough. I wish Jesus was here. Jesus says, I am here, and I want you to have tons of joy. So in those times that life happens and stress and bad relationships, all these stabbing at your big bucket of joy, Jesus is there and says, I want to fill it up. I want to fill up your joy bucket because I love you. That is who Jesus is. He is the bringer of joy. He cares about us, and he brings us joy. Now, he goes on to say this, you are my friends if you do what I command. This is very simple stuff. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Uh, when I was a kid, um, I would ask a ton of questions. I was like the question answer kid, uh, not answer, but the question asking kid. And it would always annoy adults because adults, when they get a lot of questions from kids, what do they usually say to the kid that's asking a million questions? Just because, what else? Google it, what else? Ask what? Ask yourself, what else? Ask someone else. Ask someone else. Yeah, hey, you'll go find some other guy, some other fool that'll listen to your 50 questions. What else? Anyone ever hear, because I said so? And because I said so is like a killer answer. Hey, why, uh, why is the sky blue and the grass green? This doesn't make any sense to me. How do those colors get picked? I don't know, because I said so. It's like, what? Because you said so? It's like, but, and that's what adults do. It's like they don't really, maybe because they don't have the answer, they don't want to give the answer. Here's what God says. You know, he says, it doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter the questions you ask. It doesn't matter the mistakes you've made. It doesn't matter how you might think you have every answer. It doesn't matter that you've learned stuff and forgotten it and you still mess up. It doesn't matter that you're in a life group or not in a life group. It doesn't matter you're in student leadership, not in student leadership. It doesn't, ma doesn't matter if you bring your phone to church, you sneak it. it none of those things matter. You know what matters? It matters that you're willing to ask. Because God says, if you're willing to ask, I'm willing to give you an answer. Very few people are willing to take a position like that. That if you're willing to ask, regardless of the question, how difficult the question, how, how tough the question, how, how personal the question, how honest the question, very few people are willing to give an honest, clear answer no matter what. God is. God says, if you have a question, if you want to know, if you want to be filled up with joy, I don't hide this stuff from you. I want you to know it. I want you to experience it. So, if we know how joy is robbed, we should probably know how to hold on to joy. Wouldn't you guys agree? Probably want to know how you hold on to joy when you get it. Because we know joy comes from Jesus now. So if we know Jesus, then we know joy. And you guys should write that down because it's a perfect note-taking moment. Because if you know Jesus, you know joy. And Jesus brings joy. So you might think, well, how do you hold on to the joy once you have it? Well, here's a couple ideas of how you hold on to your joy. Number one, you have to know where it comes from. Because if you know where it comes from, when you lose it, you know where to find it. You know, uh, for instance, I know where my wife secretly hides the Nutella. Now, I'm, uh, does anyone, anyone eat Nutella? Anyone eat Nutella in this room? All right. All right. Uh, me and uh, a couple of my friends were in this group called NA, Nutella's Anonymous, uh, because, and we meet with other than Nutella addicts like ourselves, because I'll put Nutella on anything. I'll put Nutella on steak. I'll put it on chicken. I'll put it on anything. I literally think Nutella makes, I'll just eat Nutella right out of the jug. I'll just take a spoonful. I love Nutella. Now, here's the thing. My wife has a really good hiding spot for the Nutella. She thinks it's a hiding spot. 
because whenever I ask for it, I go in the other room and she goes and gets it and because I'm kind of an addict. I know exactly where the hiding spot is. I don't tell her I know that, but I know where it is. So I go and get Nutella and I have it whenever I want it. Now here's the thing. When, when I can't find it, when I'm, when, I'm wor- when I'm hungry and I'm looking for it, because I know where it is, I know exactly where to find it. I go to that spot, get Nutella, eat all I want. Because I know where it is, I know where to find it when I don't have it. I come home every day and I get a spoonful of Nutella just to congratulate myself on another day. Good, another day lived. Good job, Justin. Here's my re- reward. If you live a life and there's joy in that life, and then a moment happens where your joy is robbed and you don't know how to get joy back, let me tell you this. If you know where joy comes from, you know how to get it back. If you know that joy comes from Jesus, when you are having that moment because of bad choices, bad relationships, stress, that it's like, I feel joy has been robbed from me, you know where to go to find joy again because you know where joy comes from. Joy comes from Jesus. And Jesus says, I want to fill you up with joy. I want you to be totally full of joy. I have tons of joy to give. That's who Jesus is. Here's number two. Healthy friendships help you hold on to joy. Because here's the thing. I have a friend who cannot celebrate with me when good things happen. When good things happen to me, when there's something to celebrate, we hit a big benchmark in, in the ministry or here at church or, or just my personal life, big exciting things happen. They're pretty negative. Their response is, well, why you got to brag about it? Why, why you got to make it all about you? And it's like, I'm not making it about me. I'm just sharing with you good things that are happening. Why you got to make it about you? Why you got to brag about it? I'm like, all right. And then I know they walk away and I know they say this, why can't that happen to me? Why is that stuff happening to Justin? Why is it not happening? I have a buddy, I'm getting married, I'm married, (laughs) haha, getting married. I'm already married, I'm not getting married again. I'm married, uh, when I got married, my buddy, when I first told him, was not excited. He was like, oh, so you're just giving me a hard time because I'm I'm not even have a girlfriend yet? I'm like, no, I don't care if you don't have a girlfriend yet. I'm just telling you, I'm getting married. But his reaction always is, well, why are you bragging about it? Well, I can't. Why isn't that, why can't it be about me? Why is it always got to be about you? A good friend, a healthy friend, will celebrate with you when good things happen in your life. When there are things in your life that bring real, authentic joy, they'll celebrate with you because they're happy for you, because they're your friend. They're not jealous of you. They're not angry. They don't wish that they could have what you have. They, they're, they're not feeling like you're making, bragging and making it all about you. Healthy friends celebrate with you when good things happen. And they do that, why? Because they want to help continue the joy that you're feeling. They don't want to squash your joy and, and steal your joy and rob your joy. They want to look at you and be like, yeah, I'm happy you're full of joy. You should be full of joy. Things are awesome. God is good. Let's celebrate that. It's a sign of a healthy friend. And here's the very last thing. One, two, three. Know what God will do. If you know what God will do when things get tough, when your joy is about to get robbed, if you know what he will do, you will be able to predict how you'll feel next. If when that moment happens, when you feel joy and your joy starts to feel like it's getting robbed, listen, don't miss this, it feels like it's getting robbed. If you're able to look to God and say, you know what, God, I know what you're going to do in this. You're going to have my back. You're not going to abandon me and leave me. You're going to fill me up with more joy. You love me. You, you want me to be full of joy. You're not angry that I'm happy. You want me to be happy. I can predict what God will do because God is a giver and bringer of joy. Why? Because God has brought in joy and he will bring joy. He's proven this. That's today's big idea. Now listen, 
What does this mean for you? It means that when you walk out this door today, you're going to have the choice of, well, joy is tough for me right now. I'm just going to keep living, though, the way I have been. Or you're going to get the chance to say, this has made a difference. And I, instead of letting my joy get robbed, I will know how to hold on to it. Listen, I want to worship together. I want to think about this as we celebrate, as we head into Christmas, that Christmas is joy. I want to worship together. The prayer walls are open. Uh, feel free to use them. And if you want to sit in your seat and just think and just process what we talked about, feel free to do that too. But for those of you who want to worship together, please stand with me. And my good friend, Chris Jung, please take it away, my friend. <laughs>